Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Film for Fans podcast, the podcast from movie fans for movie fans. I am your host, Ryan Dunleavy, going solo with you today. <clears throat> As Rob could not join us, uh, so we will have an excellent show for you, despite the fact that Rob is not here. Um, and actually, you know, if, if we're being honest, uh, maybe the show will be slightly better without Rob here. No, don't don't tell him I said that. Uh, don't tell him I said that at all. Rob is great. Anyway, uh, we have an excellent show. We're going to get you a box office update. Uh, we'll talk about a couple of DC and uh, MCU superheroes, maybe or maybe not have a future in their roles. Uh, we will discuss New Year's resolutions for movies. And of course, we'll hit our watch list. All right, so let's get started with a box office update. Uh, for last weekend, New Year's weekend, Avatar once again uh, took tops in the box office. What's interesting about this is it had basically no drop off in total from week two to week three. Uh, it did $67.4 million uh, this past weekend. And the previous weekend, it did $63.3 million. Uh, so it is virtually unheard of for a movie that new to have not only zero drop off, but actually an increase at the box office in another weekend. So this is um, further evidence that uh, Avatar may be in for a long run at the box office and it needs it given its massive budget in both uh, cost and promotion of the film so it seems well on its way it continues to do really really well internationally domestically it's up to 425.5 million dollars so that one took home tops in the box office uh number two once again was puss in boots the last wish this one did 16.8 million dollars this movie is doing quite well 61.2 million dollars for an animated movie is really really good um it has shown um, definitely some durable staying power uh, in the box office. Its um, its initial run did twelve point four million dollars. There's there's some wonkiness with the numbers because of the holiday weekends, but it's actually also did better than it did the previous weekend. Uh, so this this is good signs for both the box office in general and for these two lead movies. Uh, Black Panther was back up to number three at 5.1 million. This one has done 438 million domestically. So we'll probably in the next week be passed by Avatar uh, in terms of number one at the box office in recent weeks. Uh, Whitney Houston. Uh, I Want to Dance with Somebody did $3.9 million in its two-week run. It's made $14.5 million, which I think for that type of movie is a pretty good amount. Uh, another 2.6 for Babylon rounds off the back five. Uh, Babylon continues to be disappointing in the box office, I think largely due to its uh, insane running time of over three hours. Uh, so not too much else to comment on the box office. It will be interesting to see where Avatar goes from here. Um, the fact that it did better in its third week than it did in its second week does indicate that it's probably going to have a good long stay in the box office and that people are wanting to see it. Uh, we'll see how it does overall. I don't know if it's going to make the $2 billion mark that they're hoping for, but international has still been really strong. 
um, continue to be impressed with puts and boots. But that's really about it for the box office. Now we have uh, two movies coming out this weekend. One of them kind of came out a few days ago, but uh, we didn't get to on a previous podcast. So I'll get to that one first. And that is A Man Called Otto. This uh, stars Tom Hanks. And it is Otto is a grump who is given up on life following the loss of his wife and wants to end it all. When a young family moves in nearby, he meets his match in a quick-witted Marisol, leading to a friendship that will turn his world around. And this is a remake of the uh, original adaption of A Man Called Ova by Frederick Bachman, uh, who is a Swedish writer, a very good Swedish writer, actually. And uh, so this is this is kind of a remake, a takeoff of that, starring Tom Hanks. Uh, the other one of note in the box office coming out this week is Megan. And this is a robotics engineer at a toy company builds a lifelike doll that begins to take on a life of its own. Uh, and so this one is kind of a horror thriller. Um, Megan comes to us in a, from a long line of, you know, creepy dolls slash AI that turns evil and um, starts wreaking havoc. It is a uh, it is a well-known genre and Megan is the latest entrance. Um, a man called Otto is more intriguing to me. Uh, I have read another one of uh, Frederick Bachman's novels, and I'm blanking out on, um, it's a Bear Town. Bear Town, I think, is another Frederick Bachman novel, uh, which was also made into an HBO series. Um, I started A Man Called Uva, but I never quite finished that book. Uh, but it has been adapted, and Tom Hanks is always a great actor, so I think this one could be one. Uh, that'd be worth checking out in the box office. Now, if you'd like horror thrills, if you're into things like Chucky or any of that type of stuff, Megan is probably up your alley for that one. So that's the box office. Um, now, a couple of updates in terms of actors in superhero movies. There was a couple released articles released today, uh, or not today, within the last week or so, that talk about... Uh, the future roles for two characters. One is Dave Bautista and his uh, looks like his ending of his time as Drax. And uh, he had some things to say about it. It looks like Guardians of the Galaxy 3 will be the last time that Dave Bautista will uh, play the role of Drax. And as thankful as he is for Drax, uh, he is looking to move on and do more serious type of acting now Drax is obviously a silly role and one of the things that you, that you have to realize with uh with Dave Bautista and Drax is the makeup is pretty grueling he was saying that was really really getting to him because um when your entire body is green uh it definitely means you spend a lot of time in the makeup tent so he is thankful for the role but he's looking forward to doing other type of acting roles he as he said it he does not want Drax to be his legacy uh, now with some people and some actors who leave to take on quote-unquote more serious roles they don't have the chops to pull it off you see it's a lot with like tv actors who are like oh, i'm gonna go into movies i'm gonna make serious roles and then they can't hack it in movies but 
When it comes to Dave Bautista, and we talked about this a few weeks ago on the podcast, I think Dave Bautista definitely has what it takes to make more serious roles and to be a more dramatic actor. Uh, we've seen uh, he did really, really well in his parts in uh, some Dennis Villanueva movies recently, Dune and Blade Runner 2049, especially I thought he was especially stand out and Blade Runner 2049. He did really, really good. Both those roles he, he plays, he has relatively small roles, but I think there is a lot of potential in him as an actor. Um, one of his quotes for this is to say, uh, if I could be the number one on a call sheet with Dennis, meaning Dennis Villanueva, I would do it for free. Um, I think that's how I could find out how good I could be. He brings out the best in me. And this is Dennis Villanueva. And I agree, Dennis Villanueva is one of the best directors out there. If anyone can help Dave Bautista in his transition to more serious acting, it's definitely Dennis. And Dennis seems to be willing to be up for that role. He continues to cast Dave Bautista in roles. And so I think Dave Bautista may very well have a career going forward in this. Now, one thing that's going to be interesting is Dave Bautista is a very, very large individual. And so it's going to be tough for certain roles to feel natural for someone of his size. Uh, but we'll see how that works. It's worked for The Rock. The Rock has made a great career out of it. And I think Dave Bautista is probably a better actor than The Rock. Uh, maybe sacrilege, but we'll see. Uh, so that's uh, the future of Dave Bautista. Guardians of Galaxy 3, last time is Drax. Another one that we got an article update on is uh, it looks like the WB may be willing to move forward with Ezra Miller as the Flash. Now, this one surprises the heck out of me. Um, Ezra Miller has had a tremendous amount of trouble and problems. Um, he is under criminal investigation in multiple states and um, has had a long list of things that are potentially going on with him. He's facing legal issues in Hawaii, Massachusetts, North Dakota. Um, and the charges are fairly serious. Throwing a chair at a woman, grooming minors, and other misconduct. He was charged with felony, felony burglary. Now he's pleaded not guilty. And uh, so there's, there's a lot going on here. And it looks like all Ezra Miller has had to do to get back in WB's good graces is to say, I'm sorry, and I have a bunch of mental health issues. Now, I have no doubt that Ezra Miller is facing a lot of mental health issues. That being said, I think moving forward with Ezra Miller as part of the future of WB would be a massive mistake on a number of levels. Um, they were reportedly ready to potentially even ditch the flash movie at one point. Um, and basically it seems like all he's had to do to get back in their good graces is apologize, say he has mental health issues and then not get in trouble for a couple months. This is a pretty low bar to clear. And I, I would be concerned going forward um, with moving forward with Ezra Miller. I do not think that is a very good idea at all. Um, while I understand that that there certainly is for sure mental health issues going on with Ezra Miller, that cannot excuse some of his legal ramifications. And I don't think he has done enough to warrant keeping him around. And this would be 
really interesting considering we don't really know what the future of some of the DC things in in under James Gunn now that he has taken over as directing. Already Wonder Woman 3 is out. Henry Cavill is out. It looks like The Rock might be out as Black Adam going forward. So if you're cleaning house at DC and then you somehow keep Ezra Miller giving all the stuff that he has, I think that would be a dramatic mistake. And I think that'd be the first sign we're looking for that this reboot isn't going to be that successful, in my opinion. Uh, so I hope they don't keep him on, um, but they have to at least play like they might, I think, because uh, the Flash movie is set to come out this June. And so I don't know that you want to tank the movie before it even comes out by saying he's out. So I think there, what's probably happening here is they want to give the impression that he might not be out just so that everyone's just like, well, why am I going to go see this movie if he's already out as the actor? I think that's probably what's happening here. Uh, but that's Ezra Miller, maybe not quite done with DC. Okay, so that's uh, the end of the news update. And we'll do a quick discussion. New Year's resolutions for movies. So what are New Year's resolutions for movies? Basically, I'm going to tell you a few things that I would like to accomplish in the movie realm this year and what we can do some as a podcast this year as New Year's resolutions, as film for fans. Uh, so personally, I would like to get the theater more this year. As some of you may know, I had um, my first child was born this past year in January 2022. Uh, that threw everything up into chaos and um, made going to movies significantly more difficult. So I would like to get to the theater more this year. Uh, one of my New Year's resolutions was right behind me. If you're watching this on video, I got my movies back up in an organized fashion. And I am looking forward to having them back out of boxes. They were in storage after we moved for a long, long time. Uh, so that's one that's already been accomplished. Uh, but another one is I would like to get to some of the articles that I have I have theorized about or even, even talked about on the podcast. One of them is I want to do my breakdown of the cinematography in Skyfall. Um, I've wanted to do this for a while. It's it's just amazingly beautiful cinematography from Roger Deakins and great directing from Sam Raimi. So I would really, really love uh, to be able to actually write that article sometime this year. The next thing for the podcast is I would love to do more guests. We've had a few guests on and it's gone really, really well. We'd love to do more guest interviews, guest hosts, um, bringing more people into the podcast. Uh, that would be a lot of fun, and I'm hopeful that we can do that a little bit more this year. Uh, next thing for the podcast is, uh, for film fans, social media. I, I want to get us into social media. We'll probably start with Instagram and maybe Facebook because they have the larger audiences, even though they may not be the most hip ones, as it were. Uh, but that's probably where we'll start. We'd love to do things like uh, do fan contests and, you know, polls and reminders of movies and do all kinds of stuff. There's lots of stuff we could do with some of the social media aspects. So I'd love to get film for fans into social media this year. I would love to be more consistent with uh, some of our um, recommendations and movie reviews. We've done some movie reviews on some major topics and major films 
Um, we've done some some live uh, reaction shows to some of the bigger releases, but I'd love to be a little bit more consistent with what we're putting out, especially on the filmforfans.com. Uh, so that's a couple of the New Year's resolutions for movies that we have this year. Uh, what we'll have coming up in the next few weeks is we will be breaking down our top movies of 2022. Then we will pivot to 2023 and give you a preview of the first half of the year and what movies are coming out, which ones we're looking forward to. Uh, so that'll be on another episode. Uh, but you can look forward to that and we'll try to write some of this stuff up for filmforfans.com as well. Now, moving on to our watch list. Uh, so these are movies that I watched over the past week. Uh, I watched two main ones this week. One was uh, Rewatch Spotlight. And this was the film about the Boston Globe breaking the, uh, the basically the child sex abuse within the Catholic Church, especially in Boston, but then it branched out further. Um, I do love a good investigative journalism story. I do think those tend to be uh, to portray, you know, writers and journalists as these far flung heroic figures far more than they deserve. Uh, but it was a really good story. It was a really well-made movie. Um, I would love to see um, some of this stuff on some other things as well. Uh, but it was a really well-done movie, really well-acted, that type of thing. Uh, so good movie. And secondly, I'm starting to go through the Mission Impossible movies in preparation for uh, Dead Reckoning, the next Mission Impossible movie, which will be coming out this year. If you, uh, on a side note for that, if you did go to see Avatar in IMAX, you got a clip of behind the scenes of one of the stunts from Dead Reckoning. And Tom Cruise at 60, still doing insane stunts, is amazing. Um, so make sure you uh, check that out if you haven't gotten a chance to. But I'm going through the Mission Impossible movies. So I started with the original Mission Impossible in 1996. Uh, it's a really, really good film. And even though the technology is different, it still holds up really, really well. Uh, this watching, some of the things that stood out to me was we talked a while ago about camera angle. And the camera angles in this one are really, really interesting. Uh, Brian De Palma was the director. And there are so many scenes where you're in the middle of dialogue or somebody is talking and they're shooting it from below. So you're looking kind of up and at an angle at the person's face. So you're getting a little bit of side profile, a little bit from like their neck looking up towards their forehead. It's interesting. You don't see that a lot in films. That angle is very different, very unique. And what it serves to function in this movie is it creates a sense of drama. It creates a sense of, um, something isn't right here. Like you're suspicious. It creates a suspicious element. So there's kind of uh, it's kind of used to create this element of you're not supposed to be trusting or liking what you have to say. It has, it has kind of a jarring type feel to it. And they use it quite a lot on a number of the different characters. Um, it was clearly a stylistic choice because of how often that angle is specifically used. Uh, so when, if you check this out, and I recommend you do, all the Mission Impossibles are on uh, Paramount Plus, but I believe some of them are on like Amazon Prime too, or maybe who will have to check on that. Um, but uh, 
one of the other scenes that really stands out in this one is towards the end of the film, um, after John Voight's character comes back supposedly from the dead and meets Ethan Hunt in London. One of the things that happens in that scene is Ethan is trying to piece together in this conversation with John Voight how how everything must have played out in the opening scene where everyone dies or supposedly dies um john voight tells him that it's actually you know their cia boss who who had shot him and and so tom cruise has put together that john voight is lying but he's trying to piece it together during a conversation with john voight and so he's saying one name. He's saying, okay, Kittredge could have done it this way. Kittredge could have done it this way. But the director is showing you kind of what's going on in Ethan Hunt's mind. And it's showing you John Voight doing these things. So it's an interesting stylistic choice because you at the as a watcher do not necessarily know what happened and so you're seeing along you are seeing inside tom cruise's head while tom cruise is telling you something else so it kind of in some ways spoils the mystery but it doesn't at the same time it's giving you an insight into what tom cruise's perspective is so you're 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 getting to think alongside of him. And so it was an interesting directorial choice and I like it. I think it works really well. Um, but the juxtaposition makes for some interesting film. All right. Well, that is the show. It's a bit of an abbreviated show with just uh, one host this week. Uh, so thank you for checking out film for fans podcast. Make sure you visit filmforfans.com or we'll have more and updating content going for you. And until next time, enjoy the movies.